Ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the line for, I don't know, the millionth time. Sure, we'll say it like that. Ladies and gentlemen, he is from CinemaBlend.com. His name is Mike Race, and we talk about movies and entertainment and such every week. What's going on, Mike? Are you already that bored with me after this many years? No, I've just had a morning and a week. And oh, you you should you should lament on air as to what happened to you because you told me the story and I feel for you, man. Long what story happened? long story short, on Fridays I usually treat myself. I'll get I usually stop and get like a cup of coffee from a gas station or whatever. But I'll actually stop at like a real coffee place. In this place, the uh, the it's uh, called Scooters. Got my cup of coffee. I pulled in the parking lot. I went to get out and the, like. The lid kind of like was, I don't know if the lid wasn't secure or if I just grabbed it weird, but I dumped a whole cup of coffee in the parking lot and never had one sip on it. So, <sighs> Is it really good coffee? Like where did, where did you get the coffee from? Uh, it's, that, it's, that, this coffee. it's that Scooter's place. It's just, uh, think. Oh, Scooter's, right. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's just, it's just your coffee stand. It just sucks that I, I lost my cup of coffee. So, son of a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, just you know, just let it out, man. You get to edit this show anyway, so you can say whatever the fuck you want. But also, yeah, son of a bitch. I hate when things happen like that. It's like I know it's not the end of the world, but something as comfortable as a cup of damn coffee. Yeah. You've got it in your hand and then Ugh. Mike Rash from CinemaBlend.com joins me every week on the show to talk about movies. It implies that it's going to happen again and then it's happened before. Yeah, it it, it will. And well, you know what? Everybody has weeks. I mean, it's, it is what it True. is. You know, it... True, but I'm no more special than anybody else that has dumped their coffee this morning. You pour your coffee one cup at a time, like everyone else. That's right. All right, should we talk about movies? Let's. You're just. You know what? You're trying to fight, not talking about Little Mermaid, aren't you? I was not trying to fight it. As <laughs> I just really wanted to, you. You were talking about the coffee story, and I felt like that was something that it humanizes you with the audience, man. Uh, it, it boosts our numbers okay. when you talk about stuff like that. It works. <laughs> All right, so let's dive into it. Little Mermaid this week. That's the big movie. What do we think? Uh, you know what? I thought it was going to be that. And it's for one specific reason. If you liked Little Mermaid when it came out in 1989, that's what you're getting here. You may be getting it with flesh and blood people and CGI creatures and a couple new songs that stick out like sore damn thumbs. Okay. But it's basically, if you liked it then, you'll like it now, because it's not, it's just your, your, and if you hated it then, you're probably still going to hate it now. Little Mermaid is one of my least favorite Disney movies. Always really? has been since I was a kid. Okay. Yeah, I just, I, when I would have to watch that damn movie, there were only, there were only certain things that I could latch onto, like for a certain time, Under the Sea was fine with me. Obviously, Ursula and Poor Unfortunate Souls, that, that's just still a great Disney villain song and great yeah. Disney villain. And then there is a, a, a musical number that uh, was in the animated called Les Poissons, and it is a French chef chasing Sebastian the Crab, and he's just like unhinged, ready to yeah, kill the yeah, crab. Yeah, yeah. He's making the buffet, making the, the, the meal for like the wedding, or I, I vaguely remember it because it's been a while since I've watched that. Don't exactly go back to revisit it often. But, you know, there's, there were certain things that kept me going as I was w- waiting through the, the shorter version. This movie is longer than the original Little Mermaid. The included songs, especially the scuttlebutt, stick out. And uh, look, I, I was on the Lin-Manuel Miranda train for a while with people because, you know, Hamilton really brought him up and everybody was like so invested in what he was doing. Yeah. And now it's kind of gotten to a point where it's like, get, get t- in his own words from his own show, take a break, dude. <laughs> 
<laughs> like Moana was great, but then this just the. Little Mermaid, while I am not a huge, I'm not a big fan of it, there are things I could appreciate about it. And one of the things was the fact that uh, Howard Ashman and Alan Menken wrote really good music, wrote really good songs for yeah. it. It's like, I don't have to like this movie to appreciate the music that came from those two. And keep in mind, these are the songwriters. This is the team that also did Little Shop of Horrors, the musical, and then would do Beauty and the Beast before Howard Ashman passed. I'm not a I'm not an anti Disney princess person. I didn't like this movie because oh, it's for girls. It's like I loved Beauty and the Beast when I was a kid. I loved that story. I yeah. loved those characters. Little Mermaid didn't do it for me. Those same things came back to visit me, but now it's longer. <laughs> just even more. It's longer. It's Holy, more, this more, is two hours. Two hours, twelve minutes, if I remember correctly. And the original was like barely an hour, I think, or barely hour and a half. Like it was. Keep it was talking, I'll find out. Basically, it, it did not change. I have not changed about this movie from when I was a kid. Melissa McCarthy's Ursula is a lot of fun to watch. And while I'm not a huge fan of this film, I will say Halle Bailey as Ariel is perfect casting. I have no problem with the performers in this movie. It's just that they got cast in a movie that does not want to be anything more than what it was. Okay. And that, that's one of the biggest problems with Disney live action remakes is you can put together a really great cast, but the concept doesn't live up. It doesn't do anything more than just, Hey, we're, we're doing little mermaid. The original. Again. Watch this. Uh, yeah, the like, that's why I haven't seen lion King. <laughs> The original movie was 83 minutes. Yeah, I, I, I think I could have stood for 83 minutes, but they added so much more to this, and it's just loaded, okay. and eh. I see. I just see a lot of uh, people taking their kids to this this weekend and for the nostalgia factor. Oh, there was already people taking kids to it. I went to a, oh, I went to a Dolby 3D screening of this last night. Yeah. And there were already people taking their kids to it, but... <laughs> fun thing um i'm going to be writing a 3d review for this for cinema blend but the really funny thing is about 25 minutes left in the movie all of a sudden we're looking at the screen and bloop, one eye since it's two projectors for the 3d image yeah one eye is showing the movie right about the point where ursula is about to get married to eric and then ariel stops it and then the other eye is showing the credits whoops so then they had to shut off one of the projectors and the rest of the movie was in 2D. Okay. So I'm here and I had to, I've had to sit through this much of The Little Mermaid and I don't get that final battle where Ursula turns into a giant kaiju and gets like stabbed in the by a ship in 3D. <laughs> the one big part, the one big showpiece that they probably, if there was one piece they would want people to see in 3D, you would think this is the one. Yeah. This is the money shot. We just, nope. Nope. Projector right. just quit. The, the movie tried to end itself earlier. The movie tried to end itself early, <laughs> and I, I give it credit for putting up with itself longer than I did. That should be your your like movie poster quote for this. The movie tried to end itself. <laughs> it became self-aware. Oh, that's funny. Mike Reyes from CinemaBullet.com on the line with me. All right, so we'll leave Little Mermaid there. The next one, uh, what is it called? Kandahar. Kandahar. Yeah. How's this? This is fun. Well, it's not just fun. It's it's good. I need to say that it's good. It is partially fun, but it's also an introspective drama. It's about a CIA operative played by Gerard Butler, who is in the uh, no, they filmed in Saudi Arabia, but I believe it was in Iran. Okay. Anyway, he's overseas and he uh, is doing an op and then things go sideways to the point where he needs to get out and it becomes a race against time 
to get to a plane so he can get home after things just it's a big op and things go sideways really fast i was okay just hear me out on something real quick because i I, the movie looks cool and i want to see it Imagine if this was like a planes, trains, and automobiles of him trying to get home for a holiday. <laughs> he is trying to get home for his daughter's graduation. Is she? No! <laughs> he's trying to get home for his daughter because she's graduating that weekend and like his wife is like asking him to sign divorce papers. And she's like, look, be on that plane. And then he's the plane that he's supposed to be on gets delayed, but it's because his CIA buddy is like, dude, I need you for one last job, and then you can go home. Oh, that's funny. Like, please, if somebody but, within the sound of my voice, take the trailer for this and recut it to make it look like planes, trains, and automobiles. And I will you gotta, love you. You got to use the music. <laughs> do, 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 do. Oh, oh. But besides besides our, our wonderful remake idea, it's good. Uh, Gerard Butler and Navid Nagabin are a wonderful pair because uh, Navid plays his interpreter, Muhammad, okay. who he's roped into this whole thing. He, uh, the, the same CIA buddy, uh, played by Travis Kimmel from Vikings, he ropes Gerard Butler in for one last mission, and then he ropes Navid Nagabin in as a trans. He's like, oh, it's only a translation job, but it's part of getting him out of the country, and it's a yeah. little more dangerous than they thought. And Rick Roman Wog the director i give this i give this man a lot of credit because first of all this is like his third movie with gerard butler he jumped in with angel has fallen and they did greenland together they're doing another uh has fallen movie they're doing another greenland like they're gonna have five movies together maybe six if he winds up in the cliffhanger uh like a sequel he's doing the man and his commitment to practical action is amazing i got to talk to him for this movie. And he's like, you know what? There's a sequence in this movie where I basically wanted to do what if it's at night with a helicopter, but it's like Jaws. Like, you don't know where that helicopter is. And it's all like night vision footage. It looks like it's filmed on an actual night vision rig. And he's like, I wasn't faking that. We did that with a helicopter at night. And then the dude has a huge explosion towards the end of the movie. It literally shook the Saudi Arabia airport, a fun- the, the actual, like, their, I think it's like their international airport, or I don't know if it's the only one, but it shook a major airport four <laughs> kilometers away. Whoops. And he was literally saying, like, we radioed with the control tower, and we were like, if you have incoming flights, let us know. We will hold, because it, some of this stuff could down flights. Wow. That's crazy. So he's a, he's a former stunt performer, too. Well, then, you know what? That's kind of like one of those things of, I know- like John Wick. I, yeah, it's like, I know what's going on here, so I know how I want it to look. Exactly. And I just, I appreciate that. And I appreciated this movie because it was, it, it's good. A lot of people are comparing it to Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, which it's, it, I can see based on the trailers alone. I can see that because it is another one of those movies where it really sort of takes a look at the fallout of the Iraq war and yeah. how some people, you know, like basically trying to protect interpreters trying to protect the people that served with us even after we pulled out of the region i get you and it's it's not just action 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 like there's some good character work and there's some good drama and gerard butler man i'll show up for gerard butler no matter what i mean i remember oh i'm trying a law-abiding citizen 
I was with that movie up until the last act, <laughs> but I didn't, even after that point, I didn't care because Gerard Butler was just playing such a good Joker style villain that it's like, it just, I, I love this. I want this. Awesome. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com joining me on the line to talk about movies. Uh, Kandahar, definitely the movie to go see this weekend. Let's just dump that whole uh, Little Mermaid thing in the ocean. I didn't like it. Uh, over the world of movie news, uh, just going to do some quick hits this week. Uh, of course, we're saddened by the passing of Tina Turner. Uh, she died earlier this week, I believe at the age of 83. I don't have the article in front of me at the moment. I did not know she lived in Switzerland. Yeah, she was living in Switzerland for I don't know how long, but yeah, she had. Uh, she, I think she basically went into retirement there. And what can you say about Tina Turner that has not already been said, but doesn't, but deserves to be, it still deserves to be said. The woman was a consummate showwoman, a yes. fantastic performer. Uh, she even branched out into films. Obviously, everybody remembers her from Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. But I would also submit that her performance in The Who's Tommy is amazing. Like, that's a movie where you have so many musicians and singers coming in to do, like, one song here and there. And you have, like, Elton John does Pinball Wizard. Yeah. Tina Turner does Acid Queen. And Tina Turner's amazing in that role. And I'm kind of sad she didn't do more films. Because she was just obviously an adept performer, and then I would be dumb if I didn't highlight the fact that GoldenEye is still one of the best James Bond themes, and she sang the hell out of it. Like, you wanted a quintessential 90s Bond theme, uh, Bono and the Edge write the song, and then she goes out and just belts it into history. I am going to miss this woman. I'm going to miss this legend. To Tina Turner, well, all the best and the great beyond. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line with me. Uh, real quick, the rumor going around town, apparently Jamie Foxx had a stroke. That is the rumor uh, as to what happened. Uh, I think Mike Tyson was the one that, that Of course it was it. Mike Tyson. Because, well, because he's making a movie about Mike Tyson. Yeah. Or he's supposed to be making a movie about Mike Tyson. That's, uh, uh, Jamie Foxx, Summer yeah, Stroke, was, says I mean, Mike Tyson. That's from the International News. Yeah, again, that is a rumor. There is, I don't think there's anything confirmed. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll keep we'll keep our eye on that story. Uh, a couple quick things to wrap up. Netflix, of course, announced that hey, that whole we're gonna make everybody pay thing uh, is gonna be starting here real soon. You know what? You know what? The, yeah. Uh, you know what? The only thing I don't like about the whole Netflix thing is like I get what they're doing. Right. I get it. People yeah. are using your service. You want to make money off pe the people that are using your service, right? The yeah. way they're going around trying to spin it as this is a good thing and like doing it with a smile on their face, it's like, no, that's 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 kind of the dickhead way of going about this. We, If you were just saying, yeah, hey, we're especially... tired of people using our service for free, I could respect that. To go around and you know talk about, well, hey, you can add these people. and it, it, like It's too f***ing cheerful for me, the way they're doing it. Look, all we're asking is $8 a person. You can have your family on that plan. Yeah. We're not going to take into account. It's, uh, it's, it's, this is another one of those moments where I work with Netflix. Yeah. I have covered things for Netflix. I am a Netflix subscriber. So obviously it's like I don't want to bag on them so much and look like such a hypocrite for actually covering things with them. I, I enjoy No, this is content. two different things. I mean, they're... But at the same time, they also picked a wonderful time. They picked, If they were to pick any other time to do this, I think they'd be in more hot water or maybe less, depending on how you look at it. But they picked a kind of – they sort of picked a camouflage period to do this because – 
Max rebranded this week yeah, from yeah, HBO yeah. Max. So people were already whipped up about that. And also the fact that they took away hubs from the, the Max format. It's because you could go to like different networks hubs. Yeah. And then on top of that, they removed uh, creator credits, like writers and actors and all that. Like they removed those credits from the listings and then put it back. It's like, oops, sorry, our bad. Oh, okay. But that's like, they're and in the middle of a writer strike nonetheless and other strikes that may follow. So then H- Max is kicking up all this dust and Netflix is like, oh, we're just going to drop this here. No one will notice. People noticed. Yeah. It's and just... people are, and, and this, it's also the first week that Disney and Hulu are purging content from their their services. It's it's a dangerous time for streaming, man. I just like that's my whole thing about it. the 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 level of cheerfulness you have about this and trying to sell me on it. That's my issue. If you just came out and said you, we've got a ton of people using our thing that they're not paying for it, like I can respect yeah. that from you, you know. But oh, but I hate when trying to put a positive spin on things. I know it's very like William Gibson sort of cyberpunk, it, like all, all the the corpo propaganda sort of stuff. When yeah, you think yeah, about yeah. it, it's, it's just like look. On one hand, I know you want you need that revenue, but on the other hand, you like to boast viewing figures, and who do you think gave you those viewing figures? Yeah, so I, it's going to be interesting once they once they do it, what those viewing figures will look like, like how many people less it will be you know it'll be interesting to see what the subscription figures are like because supposedly what's going to happen is they're going to prompt you to pay for the extra accounts or the extra the add-ons to your account like the extra people and then i think if you don't pay it or if you if you go about things a certain way they block your account and how many people are going to sign up for a new account after that yeah because you're going to lose that viewing queue. You're going to lose all those other viewing queues. And do you think people are really going to pay after being provided that inconvenience? The whole thing about streaming from day one was supposed to be convenience. You're providing massive inconvenience and consequences now after all these years and after tweets in the past that said things like love is sharing your Netflix password. Like it's become such a cultural yeah. joke and a cultural touchstone that now you're going against that after your brand committed to it. But then again, it's not the first time we've seen a company act like that, and it won't be the last. No, it's so. just uh, weird, weird, strange times ahead, my friend. Yes, navigated carefully over the next couple years. Anyways, uh, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com on the line. One last story to get to. There's another movie coming out this weekend, and it's Burt Kreischer in the Machine. You haven't the seen machine. it. Oh. I haven't seen it. I want to see it just because I love that stand-up bit so much and to get Mark Hamill to commit to something this nutty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I love that they caught his eye and he's like, yes, I will do this. The reason we're bringing it up on this, because I told you uh, before we started recording that I have a weird connection to Burt Kreischer. Let it be known, I have not heard this story ahead of time. I told B-Sox to save it for air. So, long story short, Burt Kreischer used to come on our morning show all the time really yeah like uh i had to go back and look up the video of it because the videos are still up uh they're just kind of for another you know different morning show different era different you know station that sort of thing but we had multiple interviews and not just over the phone but he would come to one of the local comedy clubs and he would come in the studio in the morning and like him and moose were kind of like they talked 
Wow. But yeah, it's just kind of funny that there we've got multiple interviews with Burt Kreischer. He's a, by the way, super cool dude. Every time he came in, he was very friendly, very easy to work with. And he wasn't one of the comedians that would like, hey, ask me about my hotel stay and set me up for a joke, right? He was like very yeah. into conversation and having a good time. Comedians are either, in, in the world of interviewing, in my opinion, they're either some of the best interviews you'll do or some of the worst. There's not a lot of middle ground. It's because they either oh, want to yeah. have a conversation with you or it's, hey, set me up for my next joke. Yeah, it's the personalities. Yeah. It's just, it is the fact that they are personalities. So, like, uh, one that uh, came through that was a very, like, one of my favorite, turned into one of my favorite interviews I've ever done is Dane Cook. I was not a fan of Dane Cook before I interviewed him. After I interviewed him, I wish that guy nothing but the best. Really? Yeah, he he's a he was a fantastic interview. Now this has been a couple wow. years ago, and it was after all the stuff happened to him, so maybe that kind of tamed him down a little bit. But he was a great interview. But yeah, going back, Burt Kreischer. Yeah, I <laughs> I've been in the same room with that dude a lot. We need to get Burt Kreischer on this show. I he, think that'd be awesome. Burt Kreischer, get on this show. Yeah, I know, right? He He's a lot of fun, and the interviews were a lot of fun, as I recall. One was nine years ago. I, like, I had to look up the video on YouTube. Uh, one was uh, nine years ago, and the other one was 13 years ago. So, yeah, so, yeah it's been a little bit Man. of time, but no. Just, and uh, let's not forget, Burt Kreischer is the original Van Wilder. Yeah. That's the basis for that character. Yeah, he came on, he was telling us that story in one of the interviews. So, like, I think a lot of people don't remember that, like, because Burt Kreischer himself has just become Burt Kreischer. Like, he's no longer just, oh, yeah, the guy that Van Wilder is based off of. Like, he, like, Burt Kreischer's stand up has built him up, especially the machine. Like, this was one of those clips that went viral from his stuff and would always circulate. And I remember that's how I was introduced to him as a comedian. Like yeah. I saw the clip of the machine and it's like, Oh my God, I love this story. No, he but to see a movie kind of built around that. Um, I'm interested. He's a cool dude. I, I, I will absolutely say that he, it may be a little bit like he pulls the throttle back when he's not on camera or not on a mic, but he's the same guy. I mean that what you see with Burt Kreischer is what you see. So I like hearing that. So. I really like hearing that, especially with comedians. Yeah, and like, like you, there's so many cases in the past where some people have been like, "Oh yeah, that guy." Not so much. Yeah, believe me, I can like, I can name know, a couple Robert. like that. <laughs> I think you have named one at one point because you were not a fan of them in your interview. No, but Dan Cook, uh, not to change the subject, he was like legitimately one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. I'm not changing the subject. That's literally on topic. You're he, you're, you're still in the you're still in the wheelhouse, man. He uh he he sat and he talked about uh I because I, I, I told him I go I didn't realize you were the voice of the the airplane guy uh airplane the guy. the airplane the Pixar movie or whatever planes maybe oh it was, planes yeah 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 he was what uh, dusty bottle hopper or something <laughs> <laughs> but I go I was telling Wait, him I go them, we're going to fact check this in in real time <laughs> I can't remember the name of his character in that movie okay but. Anyways, he, uh, I, I was, uh, I was saying to him that I go, I kept my my kid had one of these toys and I kept going, I know that voice, and I couldn't ever place it. Then I, I go, I didn't realize it was Dane Cook. <laughs> All right, so you get most points. His character's name is Dusty Crophopper. Crophopper, there it is. You get you get you get partial credit because you instead of bottle it was crop. So, but you you were in the the, the ballpark. So credit. 
Yeah. So uh, another good comedian interview. Join us next week for quizzing. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I was just trying to think of some of the comedians that I don't want to name like ones that have been bad, but like Bill Ingvall was awesome. I'm not surprised. He was a lot of fun to talk to. He was very down to earth. Like he got his jokes in, but he was very down to earth. The only what's funny is I've only uh, I've talked to all of the the redneck guys except Jeff Foxworthy. If I could get him, I could have the wow. set. They're all great, too. Larry the Cable Guy and Ron White. Oh, Ron White has to be a stitch. Oh, he was fun. He he was a lot of fun. What was the other? I would love to talk to Ron White because he seems like the one that's, he seems like the most, uh, I guess you could say the darkest and the most, like, embittered, but not in a bad way. Yeah. But just, like, he's the hardest edged out of all of them. No, he was a lot of fun, too. Uh, another comedian that was good was, uh, I want to say Louis Black. Oh, I, I could see that. Um, I can see Louis Black is one of those people where like he saves, the, he saves it for the stage. And then when he, when he comes back to people, it's like, yeah, I'm, I, I am a person. I'm not just that. At the same time, this is the man who famously got CNN to take the, uh, the ticker off the bottom of the screen when he was interviewing because he ranted about it. <laughs> Uh, have you ever watched that clip? No, I'd have to go back and see I it. I love that clip. Angela Johnson Reyes is pretty good. She's got a really interesting movie coming out here later on this year with Eddie Murphy. Oh. I got to talk to her about that this week. It's about it's like a Christmas movie that Eddie Murphy's gonna be in. Oh, now I well and now I'm interested because again, Eddie is kind of circling back to the whole Little Mermaid thing. Eddie Murphy is a performer where even if the material's not there, I still like seeing him. Yeah. I still like seeing him work. Like, I remember watching him in You People on Netflix, and it's like, I don't like this movie. <laughs> but I can still see, like, Eddie Murphy being Eddie Murphy, and it's like, okay. Okay, so the movie that, uh, that uh, Angela told me about, she's in with Eddie Murphy. It's called Candy Cane Lane. Nick Offerman's in there. Chris Red. Oh, oh I'm sold. And it's about like this neighborhood of people that uh, they like compete against each other. They're like frenemies, uh, like with oh, Christmas decorations. So. Oh, I see. It's another one of those. I remember they tried to do that with Deck the Halls a couple of years, a while back. But yeah. I have more faith in this because you told me Eddie Murphy and Nick Offerman are in it together. Yeah, should be all right. I mean, Chris Red is also really funny. Like, you've got a good cast here. So, all right, we'll end it there this week. Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com joins me every Friday on the show to talk about movies. Uh, Mike, you have yourself a wonderful uh, Memorial Day weekend, and uh, take care. You too, man, and don't forget, we are the machine. <laughs>